Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. 27,000. Between January 2017 and January 2021, there were approximately 27,000 protests that took place here in the United States. When you count all the people that attended those 27,000 protests, the number is 14 million. Now, why they were protesting was varied. But if you were going to look at the different reasons why, you could encapsulate them in three major ideas. Number one, inclusion. Number two, human rights. And number three, the environment. During this same period of time, those four years, there were 23 protests that occurred right here in Phoenix. 23. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's only the number of protests that had over 1,000 people attending them. These protests, again, were varied, but they can be linked into five major categories. Number one, racial justice and police accountability. Number two, for and against gun control. Thirdly, women's rights. Fourth, underfunding of education. Remember Red for Ed? And then last of all, there were protests against the 45th president. Now, when we think of protests, we usually consider them in a public arena. For example, marches in our streets, sit-ins, gatherings in front of a Capitol or a public square. Yet protests not only occur in public, but they also occur in private. For to protest is to express an objection to what someone has said or done. Therefore, you can do that in public as well as in private, in small groups, one-on-one. So with that definition, we are all protesters to some degree and protest more often than we may even want to admit. When we hear the story that is surrounding Palm Sunday, Jesus' grand entrance into Jerusalem, into the days that were leading up to Passover, we can easily see this as a form of protest, that Jesus is entering Jerusalem to protest the abusive power of religion. From there, it is, it is quite easy to make the leap and the connection between those public protests that Jesus did then and the public protests that occur today. In fact, there are some Christians who emphasize that it is our duty that to follow Jesus' example and publicly demonstrate against the injustices that we see within our communities. But what if? What if Jesus' grand entry into Jerusalem that we picture with palms waving and shouts of Hosanna never historically occurred? What if Jesus' protest during Holy Week was not public, but rather it was primarily private among smaller groups of people. 
There is strong evidence showing that the events surrounding Palm Sunday were not based on a historical event. So what are those? What, what evidence is there? Well, first of all, we need to understand that there seems to be no reason to doubt that Jesus spent the last week of his life in Jerusalem looking ahead to celebrate the Passover feast. Passover was by far the busiest time of the year in Jerusalem. It's when the city would swell with many, it's beyond its normal size, as Jewish pilgrims from around the year would come to enjoy the feast in the capital city. We think you have to, all you have to do is stop and think about the different events that take place here in Phoenix. Spring baseball, when we had the final March, uh, in March of the final four. This Phoenix becomes, we can just see the influx of people in the valley. And that's what happened in Jerusalem. People then, when they went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast, they would normally arrive about a week early to prepare for this big day. Now, it would be a mistake, though, to think that most of the Jews in Palestine were celebrating this feast purely to recall what God had done for them centuries before in freeing their ancestors from the bondage of a foreign oppressor, in particular, freedom from Egypt. In first century Israel, they were once again subject to another power. This time it wasn't Egypt, it was Rome. And many Jews anticipated and hoped that as God had acted on their behalf in the past, that God would once do so again for them right now. That God would liberate his oppressed people from the tyranny of a foreign power. The Roman rulers of Palestine understood full well that this time of year was essentially incendiary. Not only were there large crowds of Jews in Jerusalem, but some of these crowds were eager to drive the Romans out of, the, of that land, the land that they had believed that God gave them. Because of that, the Roman governor, in this case Pontius Pilate, who normally stayed at his palatial residence on the Mediterranean coast in Caesarea, he would come up to Jerusalem. And he would stay in Jerusalem along with his troops. And he would take his soldiers and he would station them around the city in order to quell any problems that might arise, to squelch any riots before they got out of hand. Therefore, it is very unlikely the Romans would have tolerated the demonstration that is recorded in the Gospels. And if it had taken place, it is very likely that Jesus would not have been immediately arrested, removing the source of the crowd's fervor. So, if there was or wasn't a grand entry, the fact remains that Jesus' appearance in Jerusalem during this holy week, during this time of Passover, that act itself, by Jesus being present, was a form of protest. His words and actions during that week were a protest against the corruption that he saw among the Jewish religious authorities. And his presence attracted a significant following, causing those in Jerusalem, those religious authorities as well as the Romans, 
to be see this as a possible threat. So therefore, a protest, be it private or public, present or in the past, is meant to provoke a response. Now, the method you may approve of or not, the cause you may support or not, the participants you may like or not, but one thing is almost certain. A protest is hard to ignore. And I believe that to be true for two reasons. The first reason a protest is hard to ignore is because it forces us to become self-aware. Any human demonstration should force us to inquire, who am I? That is, if these demonstrators who are out in the streets or down at the capitals, if they know who they are, if they know what they are stand for, for whom they believe in, why they are there, we must ask ourselves, do I know who I am? Eric Erickson, who is a noted psychiatrist, observed that for him, the major American crisis that we are facing today is a sense of identity. He says that most of us do not really know who we are. And when someone either publicly or privately shows us who they are and what they stand for, it can threaten us make us feel insecure. And so today, now that more minority groups, LGBTQ communities, the white supremacists, and others, now that they are proclaiming who they are privately and publicly, each one of us are pushed to ask ourselves, who am I? Jesus knew who he was. And that's what enabled Jesus to go to Jerusalem, even when he knew there was a good chance that he would face strong opposition. Jesus could not be threatened or pushed around by the religious and political powers of his time because he knew who he was. And he was able to enter Jerusalem because he was not caught up in pleasing people to soothe his own sense of self-worth. So we need to ask ourselves, to what extent have the protests over the last four years, both locally and nationally, forced you and me to stop and look at who we are, our sense of identity? Do you? Do you have some sense of what is most important in your life? Are your values so rooted that you know what it is you might even be willing to die for? To face strong opposition against? In 1949, a play came out entitled The Death of a Salesman. In the concluding scene, there are the two brothers, Biff and Happy. And they are talking about their father, their father who had recently died. And Biff says he had the wrong dreams, all, all wrong. And his brother replies and he says, don't, don't say that. And yet Biff answers back, 
talking about his dad. He never knew who he was. Now that's a grim epitaph for any person, especially when it is written by one's own offsprings. So surely the resolute grappling of a person with their own life to discern who one is, is the most searching test of character. Most of us are willing to wrestle with everything under the sun, from international problems to the many local injustices that are right before our eyes. But we would rather do that than squarely face our individual responsibility for one's own life, to take time to become self-aware and to discern and answer the question, who am I? I think the second reason a protest is hard to ignore is because it is a strange reminder that most everything private eventually becomes public. When someone's private grievances or ideas or hope, when they are made public, when they are brought to our attention, we are suddenly confronted with something that is important to someone else. And when that happens, we are forced to wonder, could those same things be important to me? If so, why? If not, why not? You see, when we hear about other people's grievances and when they protest them, it's like this light that comes flooding into us. It, it brings us out of the darkness. And it doesn't matter if the protest is good or ill, if the cause is right or wrong. Those protests reveal who we are. Our values, hopes, our dreams, what we believe, who we trust. All of those things can no longer stand in the periphery. They are moved into center stage. And we must grapple with them. I believe one of the most dangerous tendencies in America life today is this. In the face of mounting social pre pre pressure and human problems, we are solely tempted to retreat into ourselves. When we witness protests and demonstrations that occur not only in our city, but throughout the world and our nation, it's easy to come back into our own being. And the reason why we retreat into ourselves, it's not primarily so we can discover ourselves, rather it's a retreat into self-indulgence. We are tempted to carve out a personal and a pleasant private world. We shut ourselves out from all the voices of humankind and we live in our little cocoon. We live quietly. And this attempt to privatize our lives will eventually lead to our damnation. Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he would have none of that. He knew who he was. He had so solidified for himself an image of God that was worth duplicating within himself. 
And that became a guide as he journeyed among us. That was his guide that enabled him to enter Jerusalem that Passover week. And so today, those of us who profess to be his followers, you and I, we must come to grips with the kind of life that Jesus stood for, the truth that he revealed, the spirit of service that he exemplified. For or against, that you will be. You will either stand with him or you will remain on the periphery of life. On Sunday, August 5, 1860, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow made this entry in his diary. He says the following, John Ware of Cambridge preached a good sermon. And then Longfellow added what many people cannot honestly say after hearing a sermon. He wrote in his diary, I applied it to myself. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.